how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Good morning again. Well, September for many of us feels like the start of a new year, doesn't it? And so this morning we have a, a free passage just to enact this so that we can pray and ask the Lord what he's wanting to say to the congregation. So that's what I've been doing. And uh, so that's the word that I'm going to share this morning. Um, and I've called it here the anchor of my soul, the anchor of my soul. And that was the kind of the word and the image that the Lord was really putting on my heart for us for this next season together as Ichthus Forest Hill. And next week, we will be launching into our new series of passages um, and we will be looking at the book of Luke together so we can get ready for that. If you want to go away this week and have a look at the Gospel of Luke, if you haven't read it recently, you might want to do that and we're going to be diving in and taking those passages. But today, we're thinking about this whole idea, the anchor of my soul. And I suppose what I felt the Lord was just laying on my heart for us was to ask ourselves a few questions this morning and to kind of look at our own lives and to before the Lord, bringing our hearts before him, just do a kind of spot check and see where is my hope anchored? What is it that I am hoping in? What is it that I am relying on? What is it that is keeping me steady, if we feel steady? Or perhaps, am I an anchored kind of person, do I feel that I have something that is holding me secure? There's this beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 6 where this idea comes from, if we flick on. <clears throat> and apologies because when I created this PowerPoint, all the words are in beautiful order, but it looks like now they've gone on this laptop. They're all out of order, so sorry about that. They're a bit out of place. We have this hope, says the writer to the Hebrews, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, says the NIV, or the NASB says, sure and steadfast. I like those words. I know they're very bible words, aren't they? We don't use the word steadfast in normal speech generally. It's a kind of Christian-speak word, isn't it? But there's something about it that makes you go, hmm, got some oomph to it, that word, steadfast. Are you this morning a steadfast kind of person? Do you feel sure and secure and steady and steadfast? Because the whole idea of using the image of an anchor here, and the writer to the Hebrews is saying that as we come to know Jesus, and as we put our hope in him, and as we listen to the words that he's got for us, and the promises that he wants to speak over our lives, and as we trust in those promises, as we believe what God's word said, as we believe what Jesus himself says to us, that he is giving us the gift of eternal life, for 
together with the Father, that we have access to know the Father in heaven, that we can come into that holy place and dwell there and have relationship with him for eternity. What an amazing promise for those who put their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ. Those are the promises that the writer to the Hebrews is talking about. And he says, in Jesus, we can know that we have an anchor that holds us safe and secure because life is going to throw some storms our way, isn't it? And I don't really need to tell you that because we know (laughs) that life is full of storms. Maybe you're going through a particular stormy season right now in your life. Maybe you're not. Maybe the waters of your life are calm and peaceful at this time. But whichever way it is, I felt the Lord was wanting to encourage us this morning to get our anchor sure and dug down deep into Jesus Christ today because whatever season we're in as individuals there'll be some storms that will come our way and I wonder are we the sorts of people who when the waves start to rock and the boat starts to get tipped around are we one of those people who you might describe as sure and secure and steady and steadfast We all know those kinds of people, don't we? Yeah, you've got a few of those around your life. It seems like whatever life throws at them, there's something anchored deep within. Do you know what I mean? You understand what I mean by that? Maybe it's you (laughs) this morning. Maybe you're that person. Um, And then there are others of us who, when the storms come and the winds pick up, we know we're just all over the place and we're thrown about. And I felt that the Lord was wanting to just speak this word to us this morning to encourage us that actually we can all be steady and secure. Doesn't mean the storms don't come. Doesn't mean we don't feel thrown around and tossed about because the boat will feel the impact of the wind and the waves in that storm. But it means that we know there's something holding us through it all. And we can hold steady and secure in Jesus. And there are some beautiful verses that I wanted to read over us. Because I really felt the Lord's heart in them for us. To kind of maybe prepare us. Or to help us where we're already rocking about in some storms. In Isaiah chapter 54. I just want to read you these verses from verse 10. For the mountains may be removed, and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. And then he says, O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, Behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of crystal, your entire wall of precious stones. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness you will be established 
You will be far from oppression and you will not fear and far from terror. It will not come near you. Verse 15. But if anyone does fiercely assail you, it will not be from me, says the Lord. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. And he carries on with some more beautiful words. I felt that those words were a promise for us here as a congregation in this season. Not that I'm seeking to prophesy some terrible storms ahead for us all, but because we will hit storms. We will hit rocky weather. And actually, the word was not so much about the storms today. It was about the anchor for each and every one. I feel that the Lord is saying, just like he promises in these verses to us, that he wants to establish our foundations. Did you hear what he said? He said, I'm going to build your foundations into these precious stones, these strong and um, you know, unyielding kind of rocks that I'm going to build your foundations into. They will be firm and solid. They will hold you in the difficult times. They will hold you in the rocking of the storms. I'm going to help you to get to that place. And I could hear the Lord's heart as he spoke it over Israel through the prophet Isaiah there when he says, Oh, afflicted one, you are storm-tossed and you're not comforted because your anchor is not in the right place, because your foundations have not been built down into me. But that's my promise. That's what I'm going to do for you. That's what the Lord is saying here. So that in the midst of the storms, we will be storm-tossed, yes, but also comforted. We can know peace. We can know strength. We can know steadiness. We can hold fast to the Lord. We cannot be thrown off course, thrown off, off track, cut adrift to just be taken wherever the wind and the storms want to blow us to. You hear me? And the Lord is saying, I want to prepare a people who are like that, who have their anchors deeply holding in me, who are going to learn and grow how to be steady in a stormy boat. And I was thinking about this story of Jesus walking on the water that we read about in the Gospels. And in particular, in Mark chapter 6, we read about the disciples are out in the boat on the middle of the sea, aren't they? And the storm is picking up and they're getting anxious and worried about their lives, fearing for their safety. And all of a sudden, the, the word says that Jesus came walking on the water, didn't he? And what I love about the Mark version of this story is it says, and Jesus made as if to pass by. Isn't that amazing? It's brilliant. <laughs> because we kind of, we feel very hurt, don't we, and cut adrift in that moment when we think, about, Lord, you didn't want to come and steady us and make us feel secure and you were just going to walk past in the storm. But I believe it's part of this heart of the Lord, what he was doing there with his disciples. And of course he does stop and talk with them, and even brings Peter out on the water with him. But part of the Lord's heart there is he is saying, I want you to learn, people of God. I want you to learn, disciples, how to be steady in a storm, how to hold steady and not be thrown off course, 
thrown overboard. And I think that's part of the heart of why it says Jesus was going to pass by. He was walking through. He was reminding them and showing them, I am Lord of all of this stuff that is rocking you. It's under my feet. Just look. Just see. Watch me. And you can be steady. Unfortunately, the disciples needed a bit more training a bit more learning before they were ready to totally receive that lesson. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, don't we, when the storms of life come, when the difficulties hit us, don't we want to be like Paul in the shipwreck that we read about in Acts chapter 27? And I started thinking about that whole area because actually in that story, in fact in the whole of scripture, this word and this picture of an anchor, it doesn't come up very often. We have that beautiful verse in Hebrews about the anchor for our souls and then anchors really only get talked about apart from that in this particular story in Acts chapter 27, when there are all kinds of efforts made in the shipwreck um, or in the ship that is carrying Paul to Rome, there's all kinds of efforts made to stop that ship being lost when it hits the stormy weather and the anchors are part of that. I'm going to think about that just for a few minutes in a moment. But wouldn't you like to be something like Paul in your storms of life? Because I love this description of him. And I'll just read snatches from the story. We won't read the whole chapter. Well, we probably will read it in little chunks as we go through. But just look for a moment with me at Acts 27 and verse 21 to 26. Acts 27. I'm looking at the wrong chapter, so that won't help. 21 to 26. In the middle of this storm on the boat where Paul is a prisoner being shipped off to see Caesar, it says this. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul, in the middle of this storm, stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice. (laughs) I told you so. (laughs) And not, I don't think it was like that, but... (laughs) And not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. Dot, dot, dot. And we know that the story ends up them running aground on the island of Malta. But what a speech to have made at such a moment, right? He stands up and and if you read the whole narrative of this story, things have been getting worse and worse and worse. And the hopes of the sailors were that things were going to blow over and get better. But instead of it blowing over and getting better, it's getting worse. The storm is raging, it's rising. And at the very height of it, Paul is able to stand up and make such a speech of encouragement, of faith, 
of blessing, of steadiness. He can stand firm in this raging storm, which is breaking up the boat. They have to wrap ropes around it. They're holding it together, literally, by their own bare strength, basically. And yet, Paul is able to say, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay because my anchor is in the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus has been speaking to me about this situation. And I've got some things, therefore, that I can share with you, with those people on the boat with him. And I can encourage you and strengthen you so that you, too, can feel steady and secure and not just be in desperation and despair. And there are four things that kind of I picked out from this little speech that Paul makes, four things that I think show us where his, the anchor of his life, is embedded. He says he knows where he belongs, doesn't he? I just love the way that Paul says that in this speech to all of these unbelieving people's not Christians, not followers of Jesus, but he stands up and confidently says, it's the God to whom I belong who's been speaking to me. The God to whom I belong. I belong to Jesus, (laughs) says Paul. That is a way to get our anchor more embedded. If you feel that you're not a steady person in a storm, My first question to us is, do you know who you belong to? Do you know where you belong? Do you belong to Jesus? I had a friend who started a a university course in midwifery a lot of years ago now. And um, she told me that when she started, she wanted people to know that she was a Christian. She wanted people to know that she was following Jesus. And she said, I deliberately decided that I was going to talk about Jesus. I wasn't just going to say, oh, I go to church. I wasn't only just going to say, oh, I believe in God or whatever, or even just I'm a Christian. But she said, I decided I was going to use the name Jesus because she said, because I know that it's Jesus who sent me to do this course And therefore, I want to own him because I belong to him. And so she said that she got some very crazy looks. But right from day one, when she was meeting new people and getting involved in her course, she would say, hi, you know, my name is so-and-so and and I'm a follower of Jesus. And they would kind of look at her like, what? What does that even mean? Like, we kind of understand, don't we, a Christian or a churchgoer. But this is a follower of Jesus. But she said, I wanted people to know what kind of a Christian I am. I belong to Jesus. He is my anchor. He is my hope. He is what has brought me here into this place. And it was such a beautiful testimony. She talked about the many hilarious conversations she had from that place. Some people finding it very strange that she was saying that, but asking more. What do you mean? Why are you saying it like that? What does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? Do we know that we belong to him? Some of you may have heard me share the story before, but there was a wonderful lady who started coming to the congregation many years ago. And she wasn't sure whether she belonged to Jesus yet. She wasn't sure whether she believed even in God. Um, She would kind of have some days when she did and some days when she didn't. Maybe some of us have been in that place too, where she felt uncertain. She was trying to work things out. And I remember there was an opportunity to pray with people 
individually. And um, when myself um, and the other person was praying with her, I just suddenly was reminded of a Bible verse in in Isaiah, which talks about how each person in Israel could have the words belonging to the Lord written on their hands. And I thought it was a bit of a funny word, but I'll bring it to her anyway. You know, a bit of a strange verse for somebody who's not really yet a Christian. But I said, I just had these words from the book of Isaiah, and it says that they were writing on their hands, belonging to the Lord. And she just suddenly, like, her eyes went, and she said, you'll never guess what, because she was an arty kind of person, an artist. And she got out her phone and she showed me a picture. She said, this is the piece of artwork that I've been working on recently. She said, I don't know why, but something just told me I had to write across it. There was this huge word and it said, belonging, all the way across this piece of artwork that she'd been expressing her heart and her soul and her inner workings into. And she just said, I feel that God is saying I do belong to him. I was like, yes, so do I. He who belong to Jesus. And uh, maybe some of us this morning, we haven't fully made that decision. We haven't fully understood where we belong, who we belong to. But we can come to a living God this morning and open our hearts to him and know that he welcomes us as we turn away from the life that we have been living and we put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. We can get that anchor embedded if we know who we're serving and how we're serving. Paul knew that his life was not just about serving himself, but about serving his Lord Jesus, the one he belonged to. There were things that he was doing with his life that he wouldn't have chosen to do had he been on his own, had he belonged to somebody else, had he not met Jesus along the way. He was choosing his journey, he was choosing this pathway to serve the Lord Jesus because he was the one who was showing him what his life was about. And maybe for some of us, we need reminding or we need to come to the Lord and ask him, Lord, am I serving you in the way that you want me to? Am I doing the things that you want me to do? Because, you know, when we follow Jesus, he gives us stuff to do. Did you know that? (laughs) There isn't one person who becomes a disciple of Jesus that he doesn't want to empower and give a job to and equip them for that work, and equip them for that service. So if you thought it was a free ride, where you just get to receive all the time, (laughs) you sign up for the wrong thing. I know I'm preaching to the converted here because you are wonderful servant-hearted people. But maybe there's an opportunity here to ask the Lord again, Lord, am I doing what you're asking me to do now in this season, in this storm? Am I serving you in the way that you're asking me. And connected with that, Paul's anchor was embedded because he knew that Jesus had something specific for him to do. He'd heard a word from the Lord Jesus about the future. Now, he didn't know all the detail yet, and he didn't know how it was going to work out, but he knew, like he declared to those sailors, I'm going to stand before Caesar. God had given him that much. Jesus had spoken to him that much. Now, that didn't mean it was going to be an easy ride. As we see, the whole ship breaks up, and it's not a nice experience. 
But he knew he had a confidence in the fact the Lord had spoken to him about this thing in the future that he was going to do. And it kept him steady in the storm. I know, he says, I'm going to stand before Caesar because the Lord's told me that that's what I've got to do. So he's going to get me there. And I want to encourage us this morning, people of God, have we heard from the Lord about the things that he's got for us in the days to come? Not spelling out a whole blueprint of your life. It never usually works like that, I've found. But there will be words the Lord wants to speak to you. Every single one of us, not just the people who we think are really good at hearing from God, not just the people who are good at getting a vision for their life. No, every single one of us, the Lord wants to say, hey, I've got something for you in the coming days, in the coming weeks, perhaps the coming years. I've got something I want you to do, to accomplish, to complete, to finish. The Lord wants to speak to us about those things because it helps us. It helps our anchor to get more embedded. So when the difficult times come, we don't just say, oh, it's all over. We can say, no, no, no. I know the Lord's given me a destination. He hasn't told me how I'm going to get there, but he's given me a destination. I'm holding on to that. I'm going to go with him there. And he also had an embedded anchor because He knew how to pray for other people and not just himself. Do you know, an anchored life, those people that we think of when we think of the steady, secure, sure and steadfast people, do you know what? They are not the people who are always looking out for number one. Oh, the world tells us a totally different story. Get yourself secure, get yourself sorted, get the money in the bank, get the right place to be, get the best job, get the best whatever, sort yourself out. Then you can give what you've got left over to be charitable and helpful to others. That's the world's message, isn't it? But do you know it does not create a steady person? It does not. That is an empty lie of the world. A steady, secure person is the one who knows how to hear from the Lord about how their life is going to be used to bless other people. How I can pray for the people that you've placed me amongst, Lord Jesus. Paul was on that ship praying for those other sailors. You know, he could have just said, oh, well, I'm confident that I'm going to stand before Caesar. So maybe the Lord will give me supernatural strength and I'll just swim the whole way while the rest of them go down in the ship. He could have looked at it like that, but he didn't. Because he had a strong anchor that said, I'm going to think about others around me. I'm going to be prayerful for their safety, their protection. I believe you've put me here, Lord, to help these people, to bless these people. These things help us to be strong, steady, secure when the storms of life hit, not just thinking about ourselves. And I want to just mention a few things about the anchors that we read about in this story before we close. Because there's a few anchors for our lives that maybe we need to throw out and get rid of, which is what happens ultimately at the end of this story. At the very last few verses, the anchors are cut off and set adrift entirely because they weren't the right anchors. (laughs) The people were in a storm, 
but they were looking to the wrong things. And I want to just use these ideas, just throw them out to you this morning, because maybe it's an opportunity for us to look at our lives and say, perhaps I've actually been putting my hope in a different philosophy, in a different way of thinking, not in Jesus Christ, not in the things he's got for my life, not in the words he's going to speak to me for my future, not in the way that he wants to use my life to bless those around me. Maybe it's actually gone astray and I've tried to anchor myself in something else. The first one, let me read these verses in the story, 9 to 13. When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Because the harbour was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbour of Crete, facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close inshore. These sailors and the captain of the ship, in the end decided to pursue their own vision rather than what the Lord was saying through Paul, didn't they? And I've put here, it's an idealistic one. Because it's nicer, isn't it, people, to look at our lives and think, oh yeah, I can see exactly how everything can work out and pan out beautifully. I can see beautifully how I can get to the place of security and safety that I really want to get to. I understand the perfect plan would look like this. And so often our own plans for our our lives, our own vision for our lives is highly idealistic. Anybody realize that? Anybody felt reality bite into some of the idealism that we've looked at? in our lives, but yet we can anchor ourselves in that so much that even when things are warning us away from that course of action, we say, no, 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 I'm going to go with my ideal vision. This is the beautiful picture of the way things would be. I want to winter here at Crete. I don't want to winter over there. I want to do it this way because this will be the perfect thing for me. And you know, some of us, even though we're following Jesus, actually what we pursue with our lives, what we anchor our hope in is our ideal vision of how it should go. And sometimes the Lord is saying, you need to let go of that. Let me show you something else. Because it might not look like a happy route, but it's the right one for you. It's what I've got for you. And then in verses 14 to 20, it says this. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Euroquillo. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clouder, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Syrtis, They let down the sea anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. 
Now, this word sea anchor, there's all kinds of debate about what it actually means. But what it looks like is that they took the things that were heavy and would make the the ship top heavy, the rigging and the ropes and the tackle and the things that would be around the top of the masts. They took them down into the boat to kind of steady the boat, to get a center of gravity a bit lower down so that the wind wouldn't topple the boat over because it was too top heavy. And they brought the flags down, the sails down into a kind of more half-mast position. So they kind of hunkered down, if you like, and let the wind drive them. And that was a way they were kind of using their anchors. And you know, some of us actually, this is how we do our life. We just let the circumstances drive us in whatever direction. We try to take the path of least resistance, perhaps, And we just get to ourselves where we think, I'm just going to get my head down and just sort of let this take me where it's going to take me. Maybe it's not the best place for me. Maybe it's not the right direction. Maybe I know that God said something else to me. Maybe I know that Jesus spoke to me about going this way. But because it feels difficult, because it feels hard, because the winds are blowing at me, I'm just going to put my head down and let myself be driven off somewhere else. And some of us, our lives go like this. Not because the Lord is bringing us all those twists and turns, sometimes he might do, but actually simply because we've just let life drive us where it will. And the Lord is saying to us, actually that is not a steady place to be. Get your hope and your faith in Jesus. Listen to what he is saying for you and hold on to it. Don't just throw all your plans out of the window because it doesn't seem to be going your way after two minutes. Let the Lord speak and hold on and hold in. And if you're holding that rudder in position and it's hard and the wind's against you, then call your friends in to hold it with you because the Lord has spoken. He said something to you and you can continue in the path that he's got for you. Some of us, it's more like this, verse 27 to 29. But when the 14th night came, as we were being driven about in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms, and a little further on, they took another sounding and found it to be 15 fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak, or prayed for daybreak, as it says. Oh, we've lost it now. It's all right. My question is, are you putting your anchors down, four anchors in these verses, in the kind of last resort prayer? The wishing for daybreak prayer. The praying when things have got so bad, that's when you start to think, actually, Lord, am I going in the right direction? Is this where you want me to be? Is this what you were saying to me all along? Is that when you start to pray? That's when the sailors started to pray. And it says they wished for daybreak. It's that prayer that goes something like this. Lord, I know I might have got myself into this mess, but if you will just get me through to a little bit of a better time, then, you know, we'll all be sorted. Anyone recognize that one? I know I've prayed that. Lord, if you will just get me through to the end of this week or whatever, I will do anything. But actually in your heart of hearts, you know you won't. You'll go back to being in control and you'll do exactly the same way you did it that got you there in the first place. Some people, we live our lives on those 
last resort prayers. And you know the Lord is so gracious. He meets us in these places. Don't think that he doesn't. He meets us there. He absolutely does. But the Lord is saying to us, if you want to be a steady, secure people, it can't just be the last resort praying. That you do. Paul had been praying right from the outset of this voyage, from before that. And that's why he knew what God was saying. He knew what was in God's heart. He was peaceful about it. And he was able to stay steady and strong in that stormy place. We must learn to be people who don't just pray at the last moment. Just a couple of things as we close. Maybe it's more like this for you. Verse 30 and 32. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. Those sailors were pretending that they were working together with the corporate vision, but actually they were going to get on the lifeboat and get themselves out of there. They were going to do their own thing, choose their own way, but kind of dressing it up on the outside like, oh, we're trying to help. We're trying to help with what God's saying through Paul. We're going to put some anchors down at the back here. Uh-uh, they were going to go. They were going to go their own way and do their own thing and look out for number one. But they were dressing it up spiritualizing it, if you like, as part of the overall vision. You know, sometimes we absolutely know in our lives that everything and everyone around us is affirming a direction that we're going in, and yet still we decide we want out. We want to do it my way. We want to look after, number one. We want to hop off the boat at this point. And some of us get very good at spiritualizing Oh, the Lord's told me now I must hop over here. (laughs) If we're honest, am I talking to a crowd that's too holy, that's never done that? Oh, yeah, I feel the Lord's leading me to take this course of action. Everyone else is thinking this really does not feel, look, or sound like the Lord, but we dress it up. Let's not do that. Let's be honest with ourselves and the Lord Jesus and with one another. Do you know what? It's better to say, guys... I feel like hopping on the lifeboat and getting out of here. I am this close. Help me to hear what God is saying to me now. Better to say that than, oh, the Lord is leading me. You know the one? We know it, right? Let's listen to him. Last thing, I promise. Verse 39 and 40. And when the day came, they could not recognize the land... But they did observe a bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind, and they were heading for the beach. And it carries on, and the boat breaks up, but they all swim ashore to Malta. Last thing I want to say, some of us put our anchor in heading for the beach. Anyone got that philosophy of life where you get to the point, like the sailors in the last one, but you get to the point where you think, you know what, Lord, I've done it your way for quite a long time now. 
and now I think it's my time for the beach. So I am just cutting the anchors, because what that says, cutting the rope says, the journey ends here. We're not going any further. Some of us get to that point, do we? Where we say, I'm heading for the beach. It's time for a rest for me. I've worked away at the Lord's way for my life for a long time now. I've been doing it his way, and now it's somebody else's turn. They can pick up where I leave off. And we're heading for the beach. And I just felt the Lord was saying to some of us, it's not time to head for the beach. You might feel like you've been battling against some contrary winds for a really long time, but don't cut the anchors. It's not time for the beach. He's going to get you there. He's going to carry you there. Be steady. Be sure. Be steadfast in him. So I just want to finish with this opportunity for us to pray and to ask ourselves some questions. And maybe I'll just pray for us and then maybe we can just take a couple of minutes to turn with somebody next to us and just talk about the question that most resonates with you and we can pray in for one another for a moment before we go. I want to challenge us. Do you know who you belong to? If you don't yet know you belong to Jesus, let's deal with that today. Let's put our lives in his hands. Come and talk to one of us so we can pray about that for you. Do you know how you are serving Jesus and how you are meant to be serving him right now? And are you doing it? Have you heard from Jesus about something he wants you to do, you and nobody else? Have you heard those words, those little words about the future that will help you to know you're on course. We can all hear those things. Maybe some of us have heard them, but we need the confirmation and the strength to keep moving in that direction. <coughs> you can pray about that with one another. And are we thinking about those around us? Are we seeking to pray and be a blessing to the people that God has placed us amongst? Or are we just really most of the time thinking about our own concerns? How are we thinking about those around us? How are we praying for them? How are we seeking to see the good of the Lord for them? And maybe there's one of those that particularly stands out for you. If not, you can just pray that they'll all be true for all of us in this season. Let's pray that our anchors are bedded firmly in Jesus. Is that all right? So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to let us pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to cast aside false anchors for our lives, false ways of making headway, false ways of progressing our lives. Lord, let us let go of them in Jesus' name and help us to be steady and steadfast people, rooted and anchored solely in you and what you have got to say to us. Help this congregation, I pray, to be a people who learn how to stay steady in a storm, who learn how to push through when the pressure's on and come out the other side into the place you want us to be. Help us to grow in that, Lord. We are weak and we know that we fail, but Lord, help us to get our anchors deeply embedded, Lord. Enable us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let
that you're leaving. 